Welcome to the Leadership in Context podcast with Keith Tusi. Covenant demands sacrifice. Covenant is intentional. Hi, this is Keith Tusi, and welcome to Leadership in Context. I want to follow up on some podcasts we did a ways back on the issue of covenant. Recently, I was invited to speak to several churches that had come together with their men on the issue of covenant uh, based on the message I had shared at the Band of Brothers uh, in Indiana this past year. So I want to give you uh, some other insights into covenant. Uh, Those messages that I then shared on the podcast that are available that you can go back and listen to uh, obviously stirred up some thinking in uh, God's people. So I'm excited about that. So today I want to share with you two foundational considerations when we talk about uh, what covenant looks like. You know, in the book of Genesis to the book of Judges, I found 74 references to covenant outside of the Ark of the Covenant. And what's interesting is when you look at Hebrew scholars Uh, literally Jewish Hebrew scholars and Christian Hebrew scholars, there is some debate as to what the word covenant really means. What's its etymology? Where did that word come from? Uh, You know, it's a word that God obviously chose. Now, in reading the text, the Bible or any other text for that matter, one of the ways you discern what a word means is simply by the contextualization of the word. You read the word, you see the word, you see how it's used in the text, and eventually you arrive at a a fairly safe uh, uh, analytical definition of what that word is. And so we understand that the word, you know, covenant means, you know, to be in agreement with and to have uh, uh, three parties involved. Uh, we, We understand those concepts, but, you know, where that word came from and why God used that word. For instance, when Jesus came on the scene, he used the word ecclesia or ecclesia to describe the church. Well, that was a well-known word. It's a, it's a word that uh, people understood what it meant at the time. Of course, now we're going back to the beginning of man here, you know, in the history of man when God is using the word covenant. So if we contextualize it, we can figure it out. But it's also very interesting to say, you know, what is the root of that word? Now, we do know some things, obviously. And one of those things we know about the root of the word is it refers to a cutting. When we talk about the covenant, we talk about, you know, a cutting of the covenant. So we see that. uh, And then, of course, in Christ, when he became uh, the new covenant, literally, that he was he was cut, that he was wounded for us. And so one of the foundations we have to understand when we talk about covenant or being in covenant, whether it's the covenant of church relationship, whether it's a a citizen's covenant, whether it's the covenant of marriage, is by the very nature, covenant demands a sacrifice. In other words, if you're in a true covenantal relationship, you have to understand that at some point in that relationship, there is going to be a giving, there is going to be a cutting, there is going to be a shedding of your own defense mechanism, so to speak, for you to give yourself. 
You know, a contract is mutually beneficial. We shake hands, you paint my house, I give you so much money. We shake hands, you know, I fix your car, you give me so much money, uh, etc. That's a that's a that's a contract that's mutually beneficial. With a covenant, there is the idea that there's a third party beneficiary. In other words, we come together like a covenant of Christ and his peoples. We come together with the body of Christ to benefit the world. See, so the church by its nature becomes sacrificial. Church membership covenant becomes sacrificial because we've come together not just for mutual benefit, but to benefit the world. Of course, that exposes uh, some of the underbelly of why there's problems in churches because so much of it is is retail or consumer driven and it becomes about us and the third party is just maybe like a reciprocal benefit and not a specific intended beneficiary. So let's be real clear. The foundation of covenant is giving. When a man or a woman enter into marriage, rather than seeing it as a mutual blessing, which it certainly should be, they should see it as a total giving, a cutting. The two shall become one. In other words, something now exists that never existed before. Some scholars say that the cutting even goes beyond that and and, and talks about a carving, an indentation, a modeling. In other words, there's a creating of something that did not exist before. So that would be principle number one. Foundation number one is that covenant by its very nature is giving and is sacrificial. The second one is even more obvious, but I think it's one that we don't uh, understand as much or don't take the time to consider, and that is this. Covenants are elected. They're not automatic or natural. In other words, covenants are chosen. When you're in a covenant, you're in a covenant as an act of your will. It's not just something that happened. And because it is an act of your will, then God has the authority to hold you to the standard of that covenant. Again, let's take church membership, let's take marriage as an example of those. Those are relationships that we were not forced into. We chose those relationships. We came into covenant with those relationships. They were by our agreement. They were by our uh, participation. They were elective on our mindset and our will. They were not foisted upon us. They were not demanded upon us. They were not the act of somebody else's will, but we contributed to those things. And then the outworking of those covenant is that they are not just a mental agreement or a a heartfelt agreement, but then they are translated into a lifestyle. So we agree, for instance, to love one another for better or worse. That's nice. That looks good on a piece of paper. It sounds great. It sounds Christian, certainly. But then to translate that into a lifestyle is the outworking of that covenant. So, you know, a natural would be like our relationship with our children. That is that is natural. It doesn't mean we can't have a covenant with them. But what, what it does mean is that's natural. That's, that's part of the, the pre-existing covenant of uh, 
marriage. That, at least that's the order it's supposed to be in. Uh, but we don't we don't choose them. When those children come out, we don't say, oh, okay, we'll take it, we'll not take it, we'll we'll keep her, we won't keep her. You know, that that's part of our life. They are that is who we are at that point. That is an outworking of that. Where on the front end, on the marriage, we're we're choosing that, we're deciding that. That is that is elective. It is it is lucid. It is analytical. It is decisive. It is spiritual. It is soulish. It is all those things that we enter into covenant. And we've got to understand that because we chose to do that, then God can hold us to the choice that we made. That's why those things are so critical and so serious. And when you look at the world and you look at the disruptions in the world, uh, you could say, without painting with too broad a brush, a lot of our great tragedies are when people choose not to honor their covenants. I mean, if you really look at the church world, yeah, we've got flesh problems and we've got theology problems and we've got culture problems. But, you know, the real issue with the church and its reputation and its ability to carry out its mission is not outward things, it's inward things. Are we going to keep covenant? When you see most church disruptions, they are never very, very seldom over anything covenantal. I've been around the block a few times here. Uh, I've been, I've observed these things. I've studied these things. Unfortunately, I've been a part of several of them. Uh, they're not covenantal. They're, they're selfish. It's what I want. It's what I want to get. It's how it affects me with very little thought on how does this affect the promise we, that we made, the agreement we made to be one in Christ that the world may see and then be one, that we might be one O-N-E, that the world might be one W-O-N. So, I think really getting a baptism of the understanding of these two kind of equal principles of the foundation of covenant can be very enlightening and uh, not just enlightening and daunting. It could be very enlightening and very empowering when we see what it is. Hey, uh, I just want to remind you that very soon, February 1, 2, and 3, we'll be having our our national conference called Next Level in the New Orleans area, Louisiana, Slidell specifically. You can go to the nrpastors.com webpage and get some information about that. But if you're hungry for great fellowship and you want to go to the next level, that would be a great thing. Hey, share this podcast with somebody. I think it'll be a blessing to them. Today, Keith began a discussion on understanding covenant. Covenant demands sacrifice. As the church, we come together not just for mutual benefit, but to benefit the world. That doesn't just happen on its own. Covenant is intentional. It's a choice. It's a decision. Covenant is a lifestyle. Thanks for listening this week to another episode of Leadership in Context with Keith Tusi. Join us next week as Keith continues to put leadership truths in the context of the local church. As always, subscribe, like, rate, and share our podcast. For show notes or to ask Keith a question, email podcast at nrpastors.com. If you would like more information, you can check out our website, find us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram at nrpastors. See you next week.